Welcome to Money Stories with LDT. I'm Linda Davis-Taylor, and this is Financially Coping During a Crisis with Amanda Clayman. The fact is, financially healthy behaviors and a financially healthy attitude, it doesn't just apply when our money is all, you know, all of our ducks are in a row in terms of our money. We can practice these healthy behaviors, even if we're starting out in a crisis, even if things are really dire. Welcome to the first episode of Money Stories, a new podcast that encourages women to think about personal finance as a source of connection rather than contention. I believe that every one of us has a money story, and there's power in sharing these stories. Now more than ever, we need to come together and share our knowledge and resources to build a brighter, stronger future. Around the world, we're seeing millions of lives disrupted. People are filing for unemployment, businesses are closing, and financial strain is growing. But today, I couldn't be joined by a better guest to address the intersection of money and emotions in light of a global pandemic. Amanda Clayman is a certified clinician, financial therapist, prudential wellness advocate, and soon-to-be podcaster herself. In light of the current economic crisis, Amanda shares her advice for how to stay positive, afloat, and grounded, even while the world around us feels out of control. I'm so pleased to welcome Amanda Clayman to today's Money Stories conversation. As we will discover, Amanda is the perfect person to have as our guest at this time, given our world. But just to kick it off, she's really chosen this amazing path as a financial therapist. We have so many common bonds. One of them is that she believes that the whole topic of money is really part of wellness. And she started a financial wellness program. And Amanda, welcome to today's conversation. Thank you so much, Linda, for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, Amanda, I'd like to, um, of course, go back to your professional activities because I know we, so many of us um, will benefit from that. But I want to start, if I could, with a conversation that I ask all my guests. I'm really interested in the ways that you learned about money at a young age. And in the past, you've mentioned that your family imparted on you, and this is a quote from you, the best lessons in financial responsibility that the Midwest could offer. So would you tell us a little bit more about what you meant by that and and how your parents taught you about money or talked to you about it? My parents talked to me about money um, from a place of scarcity and trying to make very careful decisions. But of course, I didn't really have context for that at the time. So so I grew up with the feeling that the wolf was at the door all the time. Um, I worried about my family's uh, financial stability. Um, I worried about losing our house. And when I discovered when I was about 14, my, my parents had sort of like um, let sort of casually slip that they had savings. Um, that to me felt like such a shock and a betrayal, honestly, because I had I hadn't understood up until that point that the level of anxiety that they were bringing to money was not 
wasn't correlated directly to the direness of our circumstances. Um, they had both grown up very poor and had had really like the wolf was was literally at their door um, for my rural Michigan family. <laughs> um, and they had taken that into their adulthood and were passing that on to me. So there was a lot that I knew about how to be careful with money, how to be really frugal. Um, but I didn't understand until I got older how fear-based those lessons were. I can tell just from the your answer to that question that you have taken an amazing path, beginning really with your learning from your parents on to now this professional path that you've chosen really as a clinician specializing in money issues. So for those maybe not as familiar with your work yet, can you share your path and, and really what you do as a financial therapist? I uh, got into financial therapy as as a second career, um, mostly because my first career was in like uh, marketing and event production. And what happened was that I sort of crashed my finances, my personal financial life, um, kind of so spectacularly that I needed to change careers. And what I mean by that was like, it, it wasn't that I I made such a mess, although it felt felt like such a mess, but I was personally very messy with money. I was doing all of these things like um, I would spend emotionally. And then I would get very worried about my credit card debt. I would look at how much money was in my bank account, send it all off to the creditor and then have nothing left to pay my bills. And I would like put my rent on my credit cards, like uh, just a million things that were not strategic at all. And when I finally came to terms with that, what I, I came to understand about my problem was that it was very emotional. So like you were saying, um, you know, what I learned from my parents was one way of operating money. But that the lessons that I learned were not didn't work so well in my own life. And so I sort of got myself into some trouble. Um, so as I, I got a clearer picture of my own emotional challenges, when it came to making financial decisions, I started to think like, how isn't this a job? Like, where was I supposed to go to learn this and to get perspective on this. I I knew I shouldn't be doing these things. I just didn't know how to not do them. Um, and so I ended up getting my master's in social work. And then I founded the financial wellness program for social service agency. And I've sort of worked in the, the trenches with people around looking at money in a mental health context ever since then. So Amanda, you've touched on this whole notion of money stories and that we all really have one. And you have shared with us a little bit of reality and vulnerability that from learning your own lessons, you've taken that and learned. And not only have you learned, but now you're realizing that financial education is something that you can take into the world. So if you can share with us maybe a couple of those specific lessons that you hope to teach your clients when they come to you, those those things that you learned and have put into practice in your own life and in your own practice, kind of what are those core takeaways that you'd love to share with your clients? I look at money um, as 
as a great way to stay grounded in your life. So so I take a more bottom up approach to money as opposed to a top down approach to money. I think that we need to listen first to what our financial behavior is is telling us and showing us about how we naturally want to use money to take care of ourselves um, before we start imposing the ways that we think that we should behave with money. And the reason why I I advise that approach is because I think that creating a spending plan or or creating a budget for yourself, the reason that that fails is because we don't know ourselves well enough yet to really do that in a healthy way or right way. So so a lot of us use a budget as a, a form of punishment or a tool of no, as opposed to thinking instead about what is it that we want to use our money to say yes to in our lives and to be really uh, soul searching and honest with ourselves about that. Um, Because otherwise what we tend to do is we self-sabotage, we avoid, um, we hide from what comes up for us when we start to pay attention to money that we don't really feel equipped enough yet to look at. At any time in our world, this would be enormously valuable. But in light of the times we're in now, just we're in the midst of a global pandemic. Every day we read and see about business closures, the stock market going up and down, our savings. This money thing has become a part of everybody's daily life, whether we want to or not. If we all could have had the benefit of your work in advance of now, is there anything that you can tell us now to help us through this really vulnerable feeling time that we're in? Yes. And and I will say to Linda, like nobody comes to see me because their financial life is so great. Um, so all of my right. clients are coming to me in some form of financial distress or another. So um, so this really is, is not any different from that in terms of it, it's usually when something begins to hurt that we sure. we pay attention to it. So that's that's okay. So I just want to sort of state that Fair enough. Um, so that people can start to sort of organize around what needs to happen here, not as, all right, this is a problem to be solved so that I can put it away again and then just not, and go back to my normal way of being. Um, instead to think of this as like, this is a, a way for me to start to pay attention to it because I need to attend to it and make some choices. Um, But then what I can also do is maybe learn some new strategies and behaviors that I can continue to work with in a healthy way. So it's not just for dealing with a crisis. It's really for like the crisis being the way to, to open the door. And then we continue to establish a path because the, the fact is, financially healthy behaviors and a financially healthy attitude, it doesn't just apply when our money is all, you know, all of our ducks are in a row in terms of our money. We can practice these healthy behaviors, even if we're starting out in a crisis, even if things are really dire. That is to say, so we're looking at this as, you know, it's something that hurts that requires our attention. I think that it's especially tough right now for people who tend to manage their anxiety by making a plan. Like this is going to be a set of circumstances that are really, really, really tough, especially for the planners among us. People who are very attached to things like their timeline for being out of student loan debt, or if they were saving for a down payment 
uh, for a house. And now they need to use the money that was in that that down payment fund to be able to pay living expenses, et cetera, like to release ourselves from our plans here is something that's going to bring up a lot of emotional response, even pain. So, so I think that, that if we, if we focus on stepping away from the idea of money being something that we, we have a rigid plan for, or that it's a problem to be solved and instead put us in a more flexible frame of mind and focus on coming up with a framework for engaging with money. Um, So setting setting some guidelines for our own behavior of how it is that we're going to take in information, analyze our options, and then make different, like sort of create different scenarios as that allow us to have some movement as circumstances evolve, that that can help us feel less overwhelmed and more in control when we're dealing with a highly fluid situation. That's so fascinating to me because we think of money in some ways as such a tangible concept. You know, we can look at our bank account and see a number. We can look at our savings, our 401k, our salary, whatever it is. It seems very tangible. But what you're helping us realize is that it's not always tangible. It's, you know, it's uh, no, I, I can actually say pretty definitively that it is always subjective and it's always tangible. That's the thing that I really love about working in the context of money is that it's simultaneously a symbol and a tool. So I find that we do our best when we understand the dual nature of money and that we're sort of able to work on both sides of the brain. So you mentioned early in our conversation, you were about 14 when you began to really think about money and your family's relationship with it and what you were learning. Do you think that teaching certain money skills somewhere along the way as kids or adolescents would be helpful in in conjunction with sort of the behavioral aspects, Amanda? I think that the best thing that we can do for our children is to really make sure that we are modeling healthy engagement and healthy communication around money. We often want to be in the role as adults or as parents to be the ones who are providing answers. And a lot of what we need to do in order to have healthy financial lives is not simply being able to know and mimic the rules, if you will, but being able to have enough emotional grounding to be able to handle dilemmas. So I'll I'll give an example of that. Like when I was sort of in that more chaotic period of my own financial life, I didn't know how to resolve dilemmas like certainly I should be spending less, except that I'm in a new city making new friends and like I don't have a place to sit down if you come to my apartment. Like I don't have any furniture or um, I need clothes to wear to my job. So how do I reconcile the dilemma between something that I feel like I need for my professional life or something I need for my comfort with things that would seem like a a more strategic sort of choice to make with that money. And I think when we, when we ignore the, those dilemmas with our kids and we would say like, well, the answer is always you build your emergency fund or you put that money in the bank or you don't overspend a, they feel like they can't, be heard when they they come and say like, here's a choice I'm not sure how to make. And B, we're teaching them that money decisions are are like a, um, 
a summary of pros and cons where like if there are more pros to saving that money, then it's like the cons all go away. And that's just not the case. So for example, let's say we have, we have a listener who is losing a job and that's changing, or at least that's creating anxiety for them. Is that a type of an event that should be shared with family members or discussed? And if so, when and how would you go about that? It's such a great question. So let me set the stage by saying children are built to be attuned to the emotions of their caregivers. So if there is stress in the household around money, if there is a big upheaval, um, you know, that that's this crisis is a big upheaval, but but job loss in their cir- circumstances or just in regular life, um, that's a big upheaval. The way that we want to respond to that in a healthy way is, number one, like if a, if a child or children are picking up on that, we don't want to give them the message that their their emotional perception is wrong or out of whack. Where they are perceiving that adults are stressed, you don't want to say like, in effect, no, 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 you're wrong. We're not stressed. Nothing is happening. When we deny that what we're what we're in effect saying to our kids is you can't trust your own emotional perception. Um, and that can lead to a lot of complications in the future. We want them to be able to be aware of their gut and trust their gut. Um, we also want to be a reliable and trustworthy source of information and comfort um, in those circumstances. So, so I think what we want to do is give information that is appropriate and responsive in those circumstances. So to be able to say, for example, if a child is, is noticing, like, I'm not saying you need to have necessarily a special family meeting around job loss, unless there are other changes that a child is going to notice and pick up on. And you want to give some context for that. But if a child is is inquisitive, is asking some questions, to be able to say, like, here's what's happening. You know, this change has happened with mommy's job or daddy's job. And here's what we're going to do as a family to respond to that. We might be making some different choices with our money, or we have made some plans already about this. So we have savings that we have put aside to use in the situation where something like this happens, etc. Like whatever the circumstances are for your family, what you want to be able to do is validate the child's perception and give an age appropriate explanation for the events. And then to be able to reassure the children that this is something that the adults are taking care of, and not necessarily something that that they need to worry that the adults are not not on the case. Amanda, you used a, a term early in our conversation, money sometimes feeling kind of messy or it being kind of messy. And one of the things about this particular time we're in is that while things are a little messy, whether that means we're working remotely or our family members are around more or whatever it is going on, we still see and feel hope out there in our interactions with people. So I'm just wondering on a personal note, what's giving you hope right now in these times? So this is one of the advantages of age, I think. And having been in this in this particular niche for a while, um, that I have worked with people through the um, 
through the financial crisis in 2007 and 8, uh, around hurricanes Katrina and Sandy, things where there was a tremendous amount of upheaval. And what I have seen is that these are opportunities for people to start to begin to pay attention to their choices in perhaps a different way. So for example, like if you had made a lot of sacrifices because safety was a high priority for you, and now you are looking at where you sit and saying, huh, well, I did all of these things and I still don't feel very safe. So as the cards are being reshuffled, do I want to play my cards the same way in the future? Or are there some things in my life that I'm I'm going to shift in response to this new awareness? And for me, I find that that's where, in all circumstances, money often really points us toward where we need to grow in our lives. Um, something will be out of balance, out of whack with our money. It feels painful or, or we're aware of a certain level of risk or danger. And we start to pay attention to it and perhaps grow some new capabilities um, that are different than the way that we were living before. That's such a positive aspect to this conversation. And I I would think that offers our listeners, even those, as you say, who maybe their habits have been effective, whatever they've been, but they're realizing during this period, maybe they want to rethink those. So that really encourages people to think about your work and you as a resource, even if there's not a, a huge crisis, just if you want to learn and you want to do better with this topic that is with us all the time. In the context of that, tell us how our listeners can learn even more about you and your work, Amanda. I'm pretty easy to find. You can find me at amandaclayman.com. Um, that's also my Instagram handle. You can find me on on Twitter and Facebook and all the all the channels. Well, I certainly myself look forward to following your work and all the ways in which you're helping us, uh, not only during this time, but as you say, all the time, because uh, financial wellness is a term that you've used for, for your path. And I know we all want to strive for that as much as we can. So thank you so much, Amanda, for joining us for today's conversation. Thank you very much for having me. Want more money stories? Check out my Instagram at Linda Davis Taylor underscore LDT to learn more about the incredible lineup of women on our podcast and share your own money story. Until next time.